new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Joshua Black. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in and uh, once again, uh, all your support and all the things we do in the Grief Dreams team, it's just amazing uh, to, to have and to witness. So thank you again for, for your support. We have with us a special guest, Richard Hutton. He is a reporter, photographer for Niagara This Week, covering Niagara Falls. Covering everything from politics to community stories and everything in between, Richard has won a pair of Ontario Community Newspaper Awards for his work and has been recognized for his longtime commitment to the industry with the OCNA Silver Quill Award. That sounds very prestigious, Richard. <laughs> Basically, it means I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good to have you and uh, to see you again, because last time we spoke, it, or close to being the last time we spoke, was when you uh, actually decided to do an article and write a piece on the research I was doing here at Brock. And that was on, I have a list right here, so it was on uh, March 27th. I was just going to yeah. say, it seems to be like in the spring of this year, and I, yeah. I ran that story. And actually, that story actually got quite a lot of feedback, um, you know, the comments from you know, on our Facebook page when I posted and stuff, um, people just, just seem to really, really relate to it when it was in the paper. Just much like when you know I talk, you and I talked, it mm-hmm. was we we hit it off right away, and I just found the topic fascinating. And I mean, I as we'll learn as we talk here, have had instances myself where I've experienced some dreams like that. You know, so I'm really looking forward to this. Nice, yeah. So the uh, the article uh, was a connection to another realm. That, that's the uh, the article if you wanted to see that. It's on the Grief Dreams uh, website under media and articles. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we hit it off. And, like, it was the first time someone wrote a piece on this topic uh, from my perspective, which was really nice. And then, you know, for me, it was, I think, a shift in how I, how I saw the topic go forward because I wasn't getting a lot of support, you know, previously from bereavement organizations. And so for you to come in and say, yeah, you're willing to do a story on it, but then also be excited about the topic because I mean, remember we were talking before, like there's sometimes you do articles that you're like, ah, you know, this is okay. Other ones are like, man, this is cool, right? This is, there's something like, inve- like you have an invested interest in the topic yourself. And I saw that and we were just like, we could have talked for hours. And so it's nice that you'd be able to come back on the podcast and finish that conversation. Well, exactly. I mean, we could have gone on and talked for hours. I probably could have drank four or five coffees with you that day. <laughs> yeah. um, the, um, the topic it, it just it just fascinated me. I mean, because both myself and my wife, Cheryl, we're 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 really interested in this topic. I mean, we both we've both had experiences like where we've you know we vividly see a loved one that's passed on. Uh, for myself, you know, I, I have waking dreams even that mm-hmm. I've been finding lately. I was just talking with some coworkers about this. Uh, my father, who passed away when I was twenty one. He, we, we have, we would have a family occasion when we'd go to the, the beach, like you know, two or three times a summer. And he always, he was never, he wasn't a big water guy, but he would always go in the water once, would swim about I don't know half a mile or so out, and almost to the point that he would disappear at the horizon, then turn around and come back, and that was it. And quite often I'll just be sitting, and all of a sudden that vision is coming into my mind. I mean, and this is just recent, like within the last few weeks. And I mean, my father, you know, he passed away. Oh, that's 34 years ago now. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's just interesting, you know, how that come, uh, those things just kind of come back to you. And I've always been fascinated by it. So when, you know, you approached me with the story, it was like, that's something I just wanted to jump right on. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would be interesting to find out, like, what is it? Is it something in, you know, in your brain chemistry or is it mm-hmm. just... 
you know, the person spiritually leaves an impression on you. And every time you see these things, that impression is just kind of coming to life. I think that's a mystery of the topic that people, I think, there's a draw towards that. Like, is it memories? Is it the mind? Is it like a spiritual connection or something external, like a visitation? And I always say, like, yeah, you, you, you can't tell, right? Like, the negative ones you can more or less know because there's usually some kind of um, guilt or anger, regret that's sort of really in the imagery. But the positive ones, research says, it shouldn't really occur. You should be having a lot of negative dreams after loss. But the positive ones are fascinating. So is it, is it your mind solving a problem or is it visitation? And I, I, I don't hold truth to anything. I'm walking that line where it's like, I don't know, but we can still talk about it, right? Well, I mean, I just yeah. find, like, I mean, particularly with my father, growing up, I mean, I was always, and I think I said this at the time, always a little afraid of him. I mean, it's not like, I mean, he, you know, he never hit me or anything like that or never even really yelled at me. I was just always, always kind of afraid of him. I was a timid kid. And, uh, you know, I mean, he wasn't a big man. He was like, you know, five, eight, you know, like a fairly slight, you know, kind of looked like Alan Ludden a little bit, you know, like, I mean, he, it, but I was intimidated by him for some reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was a reflection of my personality or his. Right. Um, but we got really close, you know, to the time when he, uh, he he was diagnosed with cancer uh, when he was 52, and uh, he owned his own business at that point. And I was working overnight shifts, and we get up every day and help him with his day to day stuff. Like he couldn't get around; um, he had gone through chemo. He had 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 his one of his legs amputated. Um, so we actually kind of came, became very close in that time. There wasn't a lot said. It was almost unspoken. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he never said, like, you know, I love you, son, or anything like that. But it was just, there was a, there seemed to be a shift in the relationship. So when he did pass, it's, it's like, it feels sometimes almost like he's trying to continue that relationship, mm -hmm. like that, you know, we had never been super close and we were getting closer. So it's, you know, it makes me wonder sometimes if he's trying to, to you know reach out that way and continue that relationship didn't have enough time you know and it's interesting i think a lot of uh i can't speak i can only speak for boys but i know in my situation you know your father's like a you know like a young like a strong lion at that time right they need to be almost like to protect you and then i think for me it changed around you know 18 19 20 when i start being more independent and view my father in a different light and unfortunately, your know, father passed before you can kind of go to the next levels. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, as I said, I was 21 when he passed. And, you know, there just wasn't enough time. Um, but even after, when I, was, when I was saying I was helping him out with his work and stuff, I told Josh this when we were talking back in March. Um, I would work overnight. I'd come home at 6 o'clock in the morning, go to bed. And my dad would wake me up every morning at 9.30 just by calling out. He was bedridden. Um, and for weeks after he passed, I would wait, be waking up at 9.30 every morning to the sound of his voice. You know, so it just, it, it continued. And then I ended up getting very sick after that and, you know, being bedridden myself for a few weeks with mono. So, um, so I don't know if it's the fact that I was operating on near exhaustion that this was kind of cropping up. Or, once again, it's, it's genuinely him trying to reach out to me and speak to me and i want to believe that yeah i think a lot of people do believe that and i think that's the beauty of it of the topic because there is some kind of like quality to these experiences that 
you're not intentionally trying to create. And there's a lot of things that the deceased says, um, especially in dreams, that a lot of people would say, I've never would expect that person to say that. But like in that sentence, they did so much for me as I move forward. So yeah, it's, uh, that's why I love the topic, right? Just because it hits people on so many different levels. And at the end of the day, it just helps you, I said, like continue that bond. Because that's what matters, right? Yeah. And as you say, like you're, you'd be able to, you're seeing it as a way um, for your father is almost like wanting to continue that relationship and build it to what it could have been when he was alive, right? Exactly. Well, I was going to say too, with my, with my wife, um, she goes through the same sort of things. She was very, very close to her grandmother, mm. um, like her mother's mother. And uh, to the point that uh, times it is almost like grandma was raising her. Um, but she, to this day, I mean, her grandmother passed, passed away a number of years ago. And to this day, she'll like, Cheryl will be doing something in the kitchen, like say beginning to make dinner or something like that. And she'll stop what she's doing. And she'll say, Nana's here because she, she goes, I smell her perfume. Like, ah, that's interesting. you know, that sort of thing. Like she, she, she just stops um, and, 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 and feels that. And it, it happens anywhere. I've been, when we've been out shopping and, you know, at home just doing, you know, simple chores or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there has to be something to it. Yeah. Especially like those, those moments where you smell something. A lot of people talk about even cigars. If the person smokes cigars, they'll, they'll, they'll smell that flavor out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, how do you explain that? I don't know. There's been too many cases, too many instances, too many different people that has happened to. Uh, so there's got to be something in that underlying uh, network, something going on. Um, I wanted to ask you a question because you've covered many stories, obviously, in your illustrious career. <laughs> so, when, sure. when you, sure. before you, before you published this article, did you think that it have the impact that it did? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to say, yes, it would have, have that sort of, I thought it would have that sort of impact. It's, it's the kind of thing because people could read the story and, and they didn't necessarily have to go tell their neighbor or go tell their brother or sister. They could see it and say like, you know, I have experienced that, you know, obviously other people do, you know, all of a sudden I don't feel so strange, right. you know, and they in turn would end up saying, like, okay, this is normal. You know, I want to embrace this now mm-hmm. as opposed to, I feel like I'm going crazy, you know? So I think, it held that potential, and I was really hoping that, like you know, that just one person even would read it and say, like, "Wow, I experienced this, and and I'm not alone, and it's normal." You know, like that's a great word, strange, because that's what dreams are kind of like, you know. And we kind of go through life, and we don't acknowledge it. We just, you know, on another podcast, we talked about that how we spend so much time sleeping and in that world, and then we kind of just shrug it off. Exactly. Like, you know, we just kind of go, oh, like I had a, you know, it gets, it gets dismissed as, oh, it's just a bad dream. Right. You know, when when you wake up and you have this feeling of dread or whatever, you know, but is that bad dream telling you something? Like, mm-hmm. it might not be literal, you know, I mean, it could, you know, like the dream you're falling off a cliff or something, you know, into, it could be, could simply, you know, stand for something like you're about to be launched into a great unknown. Like it could mm-hmm. be you're being laid off from your job tomorrow and you don't know it. And, yeah. You know, you're plunged into a, into a world that you don't know. So I guess the same, you'd probably be more expert at this than I, um, could be applied when you're talk, coming to terms with grief dreams is, 
you know, what does the dream represent? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I was trying to get at when I was talking about, it was like my dad was trying to keep that connection going or something. And it's funny, like, because we're talking about, like, how it normalized grief and how people, if one person just read it, I had people on the face, you know, you have, pe- you have people on your Facebook and, like, a lot of them you don't really know that you knew them in the past, you know, sort of thing about your friends on Facebook. I had people, like, contact me and say, hey, I just saw your article. I'm like, wow. I'm like, so you, you read that? And you're like, and so I really had the idea that it's reaching more people than I first thought because you don't, because it, it's free, right, for anyone in Niagara. And so people will sit there and read through the stories or look at the headings and people were finding this. And I thought it was just amazing. So, yeah, your article did reach a lot of people. And I'm so grateful for that because it did actually help raise awareness and help people feel like, oh, this is normal. Well, it's just it's, it's, it's such an interesting topic. And, and I was obviously more than happy to do the story. Um, you were mentioning about, like, you know, people flipping through and looking at stories and stuff like that. I mean, I've gotten plenty of comments over, over the years, particularly in the last since I've been in Niagara Falls, you know, if people will say, like, oh, I read that paper all the time. It's mm-hmm. great paper. You know, or, like, you know, I've had people call me and say, I was told by so-and-so to call you because they said you would do me right on my story and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, so it's those kinds of things are gratifying. You yeah. know, like, I mean, you're not doing it to feed your ego or anything, but those little boosts are nice. So, yeah. you know, it just it help, makes you want to do well and what makes you want to do right by the people that you are portraying the stories so when you look at your career um i want to ask you what is maybe the most gratifying story you've done you don't have to say the 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 grief dreams one that's fine (laughs) but in your career what was like the one that you look back on and say wow like that was that was a good good story that's a really good question because i i I probably don't look at it and necessarily like what's the best story i've done but maybe what are the best types of stories i've Mm -hmm. done like you know there's been several stories that you know, like some of them are just interviews I've done with celebrities or whatever, where I've really enjoyed the conversation and it's reflected in the story I wrote. I mean, for example, I interviewed William Shatner and wow. we hit on a lot of things that normally, you know, it wasn't just about Star Trek. I mean, we got into his like commercials he used to do for Loblaws back in the 70s and oh. stuff. So, and he, you know, he goes, you must be calling me from Canada, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so... What turned out was supposed to only be a 10-minute conversation with him. We ended up talking for half an hour, 40 minutes. Oh, wow. wow. So those kinds of things like are especially gratifying. But story-wise, um, I pro- if I was really, really forced to choose a story that really I was really gratified with, it would probably be a story I did back. I was actually working in Fort Erie Post uh, before. I was, like, I was another paper of Niagara this week. And there was a young girl who died on Boxing Day in a car crash. Her name was Riley Anzavino. And I got, I did a story about her brother um, and how he was coping with her death. Um, he was playing football at Ridgeway Crystal Beach High School at the time. And, you know, so I interviewed like him and the mom. And it was, it was a great story to do because they both opened up and, and talked a lot. Um, but then the mom, next time she saw me, just came over and hugged me. And she goes, you just did such a nice job. You know, we love the story. And that made me feel really good. So that's probably one of the more gratifying moments that I've had. And interestingly enough, it's coping with death again. That's right. Hmm. When you wrote that story, did your father already pass away? Oh, yeah. my father. This is, um, I've, I've only been with like Niagara this week in the 40 repose since 2009. 
Um, I mean, I've been with Niagara this week since 2005, but as a reporter since um, 2009. Okay. Uh, my father passed away in 1983. Okay. So it's it's been it's been it's been quite a long way. But I think because my father passed away when I was so young, and he was taken, you know, I mean, it was an awful disease. It's probably made me a little bit more sensitive. I mean, reporters don't necessarily like doing those kinds of stories, <laughs> like because you feel invasive, but. Once you develop a, a rapport, all of a sudden it's be, it becomes two people talking as opposed to you're not probing and asking questions. And quite often people want to talk. So the stories themselves don't become that difficult to write. It's getting to that point, though, that can be the difficult part of the journey. So that makes those kinds of stories gratifying. Mm, I see that. So yeah, your compassion, your own life, it all like, and like seeing that because you're seeing yourself in, in the child in a, a way, in the sense of her brother. No, the brother, the the brother, you're seeing yourself in that brother with her with her uh, sister that passed away, got taken early, and you so you can feel that pain and you have the empathy and compassion for them. That's what I realized after my father passed away. I felt differently about loss, and like there's something about it that I was ignorant about before. And so when I speak to people, it just it hits me in a new way. And you're right, like it's that bond and that rapport. You're giving that space to sort of. Um, what you wish you would like for me, it's like when I talk to people, it's like what I wish I would have had when um, mm-hmm. my father passed away. I didn't really get a lot of that because a lot of my friends never lost anyone at that time. So it was a very lonely time for me. And I think for a child to be very lonely for them, too. I think what happened for, for me, given the fact that my, my father passed when I was so young, you know, I was able to use some of that experience when I'm talking to some of these people for stories and stuff that are going through the same thing because there's an instant relatability like I was did another series I dealt with another family where a young daughter was uh, she had a brain tumor mm. and was going through chemotherapy and you know it was touch and go and she did finally pass but I was able to talk to them because I'd gone through that same journey although it wasn't a child it was my father but I mean I I know what those like ups and downs like one minute you're hoping for the best, and then the next minute you know the inevitable's coming, and then you're hoping for the best again, and then <laughs> and it just kind of that that roller coaster. Well, that 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 leads to you know just the fact that you probably have you know you know what you're doing, you have a good technique, your body language is correct. You know people can sense that, so you know I can sense when you're accepting or receptive to what I'm sharing with you, and the kindness comes through with that. So I can imagine you know you, you do a good job with that. Well, you know what the one thing I found, and I just did that just came naturally to me, is going back to that girl who passed away in the car accident. The first time I phoned the mom, I said first the very first thing I said to her after hello and introducing myself, I said the first thing I want to say to you is how sorry I am. You know, no one should have to go through this. You know, and I understand if you don't want to talk to me. And she, what her reply was to me, you're the first person that's asked how I was doing. Wow. Wow. A stranger. Like, as far as, wow. like, you know, because she'd had other reporters call her and just basically go, like, you know, tell me about Riley, you know, like, and she told me that you're the first person that actually, when you introduced yourself, said, how are you? Wow. That says a lot about your character and who you are. Well, I try. I mean, I, I, I always try to be treat people the way I want to be treated. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's not it's not like a rocket science. Yeah. Thing. But it it's it's funny. Like it might as well be rocket science because yeah. yeah. there's so many people that just won't do that. They'll just trample over people. Yeah. Well, it's a great thing that you're a voice of the community, right? 
You know, you're yeah, there I, to share these stories and be a part of that, and, and it's it's great to, to see that. Well, I, I try. It's, it's it can be a difficult thing. I mean, you know, being a community newspaper reporter. I mean, I'll just speak in general terms. It can be difficult because there's actually a lot of demands put on you. A lot of people will say, like, you know, reporters for a weekly newspaper actually have it harder than the reporters that work for a daily. Mm-hmm. In as much that, first of all, there's fewer of you. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm in for Niagara Falls. So that's why I said, like, you know, one minute I could be covering council. The next minute I'm, you know, doing something like this or, you know, interviewing William Shatner. You know, <laughs> right, like, yeah. It's like you just kind of do everything. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of demands put on your time. I mean, like, quite often I'm, like, last week I worked seven days. Like, you wow. know, I had assignments on Saturday and Sunday. You try to make up a time during the week. But you know what? You love the job, you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I do love the job. So that makes it easier. I like that. And I said at the end of the day, like, you bring an aspect to it. And I think it's fascinating that those people never asked about the person's loss. It's like they saw a story and they see it as in, like, an object just to cover and there's no like they don't care it's just like something that they had to do but like for you to be a part of the community and to you know really care about what goes on with people's lives i think that's you know something that i think will come out in your words that you in the words you choose to use and the impact lasting impact you have on the person you're that you interviewed well exactly i mean you you just try to do your best and and I mean, I wasn't, you know, specifically trained for this job. I mean, mm-hmm. I only have a high, well, I shouldn't say only. I have a high school education. I didn't never went to post-secondary school or anything. And I learned this job by doing, I was working at a daily as, you know, an editorial assistant and a copy boy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I learned from other, like, the reporters that I would do things for. I'd read their stories and I would, you know, like, kind of pick up little hints and stuff here and there. And then just put it together with my own voice. And I mean, that's, so it's become self-taught, wow. you know, that way. So That's incredible. So. Yeah, I really, I, I really admire that. I mean, it, you know, it, there's a lot of stigma attached and, you know, not getting enough education or whatever. I, I dropped out of university third year. I would, and then I ended up doing college after. Uh, so I, the first few years after that, I had a little bit of, uh, oh man, you know, you feel a little bit out of place, but now I'm at a stage where I'm realizing, you know, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm educating myself in different ways and i'm learning as i go along so but yeah that, that's admirable to see for sure well i should say i have no post-secondary education i went to mohawk college for three days oh nice. yeah i slipped that in you got what you needed in your life <laughs> i was taking uh, it was actually radio radio um or broadcast journalism it turned out basically it was a dj course um <laughs> it wasn't what i wanted because I wanted the news end of it. I wasn't looking to be a disc jockey, although it would have been kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but I was looking more to be in the news gathering side of it. And it, so I just knew I wasn't going to get it in that. And so I just said, bye-bye. Gave back my OSAP. And <laughs> that was it. <laughs> All right. So moving forward, let's talk some more about dreams. So have you had a dream of anyone that's passed? I'm guessing you had more people than your mother and your father, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's really funny. I mean, most of the dreams that I do have seem to center around my dad. Mm. Um, you know, although I find when I'm drifting off to sleep, and we've talked about this because we talk about it with pets. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm, I'm heading off to sleep, I see our cat Tess. You know, like mm. just because, you know, she would, like, it's really funny because, like, she would, I'd be, like, lying in bed on my side. And, you know, you always knew it was morning, you know, what you want. Because I'd open my eyes and then there'd be this cat face in my face. <laughs> 
I'm holding my hand up in front of my face like anybody can actually see it. Two inches um, away. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, so, like, sometimes that kind of happens. I mean, you know, like, so as for other people, I see visions, I guess, like, more than that. I don't know if there's a difference between visions and dreams because like I'll for example I'll be sitting down and all of a sudden I'll think about my grandma Stewart sitting in a chair smoking a Belvedere mm. you know that kind of thing like you know just remember and then I could smell the house I okay, would think yeah. about that like because we'd always go there on Christmas Eve like every Christmas Eve it was grandma Stewart's back home in time for 9.30 to watch Scrooge on um, CHCH you know I mean that was that was Christmas Eve you know in okay. the Hutton household growing up so I mean I guess probably in and around this time of the year, I begin to think about her a lot more so that right. some visions will manifest themselves. Like I'm I'm sitting here right now, I'm sitting here picturing the little Christmas village she used to set up and oh, stuff like okay. that. So, I mean, so I don't know if that's kind of a partner of dreams. Yeah, so like a dream is just something that happens while you're asleep. And some people have similar experiences as when they dream as they when they're awake. And so a vision is just that when you're awake, you have these experiences. That you sense them or whatnot, right? Yeah. You see so, them or... so like, yeah, so with my grandma and then both my wife and I have seen, and we think our cats, our two new cats that we have, um, have seen Tess. Oh, okay. Because like, it's it's really weird. I'll see this black flash of floor go running up the stairs, you know, and neither of the other two cats around. And in particular, actually when Tess first passed and we hadn't, we didn't have any pets. For that first couple of weeks, it was pretty intense. Mm. I mean, that, you know, I'd literally, literally be sitting there on the couch and watching out of the TV, and out of the corner of my eye, I'd see this, like, black ball of fur go around all the stairs. Oh, wow. wow. Um, so it was like she hadn't left yet because we hadn't gotten her ashes back either. So, I mean, that was strange. And we think the two or two, our two cats, Bet and Missy, they'll be, like, doing something, and then all of a sudden they stop and look over at the stairway. Oh, that's interesting. So I, whether or not they're, you know, it's like they see Tess. Like mm. we're going to, they see Tess because they, they both will like literally stop, look over at the stairs. Did your cats know Tess? Which no. Is, oh, okay. Nope. So it's no. a strange cat. Yeah, the, okay. it, was, it would be a strange cat. I mean, because we got, we got bet about, uh, I guess, probably about a month and a half after Tess passed. And then Missy a few months after that. And they don't get along particularly well. Like, they tolerate each other, but they, you know, they're not playing together and stuff like that. But they'll be in the same room. And it's just interesting, though, that they'll both stop at the same time. Uh-huh. You know, so it's like they get in sync that way. And it's, I mean, we still see, we still see her. I would be amiss if I didn't talk about my dog, Rumble, which I <laughs> seem to mention on every podcast. But I kind of know what you're what you're talking about because they're so routine with what they do. So like 7.30, I know he's going to want his breakfast. And then at this time, and then the sound of his paws on the floor, because mm. he, uh, he's, I've hardwood floor, so he's worn down the first two. So he only has the, the ends. So count, he's tapping almost yeah. as he's walking. It, when he passes, I will, I'm sure I'll be triggered by some of those sounds. I'm sure I'll hear things like mm. that and just, you know, get those senses. And maybe I'll wake up at 7.30 and be like, okay. Well, I mean, just the other night, um, like Wednesday or Thursday night of this week, my wife and I were downstairs watching TV, and both cats were downstairs with us. And then all of a sudden, we heard from upstairs in the one bedroom just this thump that sounded exactly like Tess when she jumped off the bed. Because mm-hmm. she had a little bit of a weight, weight issue in the back end. <laughs> you know, so she, she would you know she would make a little bit of noise when she jumped off the bed. And this noise sounded exactly like it. Uh-huh. You know, and... We looked around and like both cats were with us. 
So it wasn't one of the other the, the other cats. Like something got down from that bed, whether it was there was something that was teetering on the edge and it fell <laughs> off or what, but there was nothing. So it, you know, we said it's got to be Tess. She's still here. Wow, what beautiful experiences! And so you haven't actually had a dream. I think it's very interesting. Has has your wife ever had a dream of Tess or anyone like? My wife has dreams all the time. Yeah. Okay. You know, like she she, she it, it, hopefully again she doesn't mind me sharing some of these things, but. Uh, you know, she, she's far away from her kids, so she dreams about them a lot. But she also dreams about, you know, her Nana. And she'll get like a, a, a convolution of, I don't know if that's the right word, but many things kind of jumble together where it's like it'll be so-and-so's house, but so-and-so's not there. Oh, okay. And, you know, like, but her Nana is. You know, like it might be <laughs> Grandma Nelson's house, but she's not there or vice versa. Right, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, and she goes, and I'm sure, sure you were there, but, you know, David, her ex-husband, um, who actually passed a couple of years ago, wasn't, you know. like oh, so, okay. so she has all sorts of things like that, like where they, they, the visions come there. You know, she'll wake up and say, like, I dreamed about Grandma Smith last night. Oh, wow. You know, that sort of thing. That's like beautiful. Her, her ex-husband's mother. And it's nice that she's sharing. So I've mm. heard so many people, like, they're partners, but the one person has a grief dream or a dream of the deceased, they don't share it. They keep it sort of to themselves. So it's nice you guys have that bond that you can sort of yeah, share. Yeah, we, 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 we show that. Sometimes we just try to figure out what it means. Mm. You know, like, what what were we thinking about last night? Or, or, you know, what time of year is coming up? You know, like, that sort of thing. Because, you know, there's certain times of the year that might be marked by several occasions that involve that uh, loved one who's passed. So you begin obviously thinking about that person more. So mm-hmm. it, it's just very, very fascinating. You know, like it's a fascinating topic for both of us. So like, you know, when I when I sit, have a dream of some sort, she knows. When she has a dream of some sort, I know. It's okay, just, yeah. you know, we, we we really, really enjoy talking about that. She would actually be a better guest than me on this show. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to have her on next time. <laughs> That's funny. So moving forward, and since you haven't had a dream, what dream would you want to have if you could? That was a big question, but... Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know if this really, really falls into the dream, but what I wish I could have... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say, even if it's in dreams, that uh, my dad could meet... My dad could meet my current wife, mm-hmm. could meet Cheryl, because I know he would love her. They share a very, very similar sense of humor, as do I. <laughs> um, you know, he... Because, for lack of a better word, worried about me a lot. You know, like he said, and actually, even when I was getting married or started seeing the person that is now my ex-wife, was concerned that she wasn't the right person for me. And he actually expressed that while he was sick. You know, so I'm just wondering, you know, if this part of me that wants to go tell him you were right, mm. you know, and maybe that's why he comes to me so much. Oh, okay. You know, because I wish he could, I wish he could meet Cheryl because he would be like going, oh my God, this is the girl you needed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because she's awesome. I like that. I like sort of like, so what setting would that be in? Would it be in your house? Would it be like in a forest? Like, what do you think? I think the house. Yeah. You know, because I can picture it. Yeah, and I can picture us sitting at the dinner table telling, Mm. telling, you know, weird jokes and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> Everyone's laughing because you all have the same yeah, sense of humor. I like exactly, that. <laughs> exactly. I wish I, that's something I really, really wish could happen. 
Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And uh, yeah, like like we said, we really hope you you have that dream with your father because I I could see that being a very joyous joyous dinner for sure. Um, and, and if you do, you gotta let us know. Oh, <laughs> you guys will be. Other than my wife will be the first ones to know. <laughs> you know, and I was gonna bring that up. You know, and and. I'm happy that, you, you know, you're sharing your dreams. You know, like Josh said, your wife is sharing her dreams as well. And I'm beginning to realize how important that is. You know, I have a friend who his father had a dream about his father. So my friend's grandfather. And he didn't share the dream, but it was so vital for them to have that message and share it. And I hope that's something you could bring to your listeners or sorry, your the people who read your newspaper and everything like that is. And when you meet people is to ask people to share uh, with their loved ones, especially if they're having one, when the person's still alive. It's like, why not? Not the per- like the, the dead person, but the person associated with them. Well, qu- quite often when we're doing those stories of dealing with um, someone who passed away, there was actually a gentleman who um, lived in Chippewa. His name was Don Ede. And Don always used to call me with story ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, he, And I'd literally the phone would ring. I'd pick it up and go, Richard, Don Ede here. Just like that. The same every time. And when he passed, um, it was very sudden, first of all, and it shook me. I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed speaking with this man. I'd done several stories, and he had led me to several things. And, you know, I wrote a column about him, and it hit me. Like, I'm never going to hear that again. Mm. And so when I was talking to his wife to, in order to do the story, I said, "I need, what I need to know is what is your favorite favorite all-time memory you know i said i know i'm asking you probably a very very difficult question and if i asked you the same one tomorrow you know and she she she's she basically shared just basically saying his passion you know like it was it wasn't one particular thing it's just the way he approached life that's amazing well richard uh we're a little bit out of time right now but it's been a pleasure Uh, This has been great. Yeah, I loved hearing your story and uh, just getting a sense of what you do for the Niagara community, Mm -hmm. uh, which is some amazing work. And we hope you can be uh, a part of our team as well eventually down the road. You know, uh, we can communicate again, write another article about Josh Black, (laughs) Josh Black. (laughs) Well, it's more than me. It's just about the topic. Absolutely. And that's the big thing. It's just giving people just a a, a safe place to sort of share these experiences and realize they're not alone. I think at the end of the day, yeah, whenever you retire from this gig, we'll definitely have you on at some <laughs> some point and get you part of the team. we got the experience yeah. and background. we so. got newsletters that need to be written. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you need to do another one of those sessions, too. We went to the one in Niagara Falls that you had there. Oh, the talk, the Grief Dream yeah, talk. The yeah. talk, you know, like, which was very, very interesting. And, and you could tell by the reactions of people in attendance that they really, really enjoyed it. So Yeah, like, that whole journey is changing, too, like, because... As more research uh, happens, I learn more just by talking to people. And like I realized too, like through that that talk that I usually did, I've developed a part two to that, that you actually can um, be able to feel more comfortable asking about these dreams and working with these dreams with people. Because um, I found like that's the one thing I didn't get at the talk, is just how to sit with someone and ask these questions without judgment. I think that's a very important thing as we move forward that needs to be talked about. But we'll talk about that another time. Absolutely. If you would like to contact Richard, you can send him an email at rhutton at niagarathisweek.com. That's R-H-U-T-T-O-N. Twitter at N-T-W the Falls. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Great. And if you would like to learn more about Grief Dreams, please visit griefdreams.ca. There's some new research articles there you can check out. As well, we are on Instagram and Twitter at Grief Dreams. 
Check out our newsletter as well. And the podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean.com, and most other podcast apps. Also, you can shoot us a line if you want at GrieveDreamsPodcast at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Have a good Thanks, one. Richard. Thanks a lot. Bye. The New Beginning.